We've Been Around the Block is a podcast coming to you from the heart of the KZN Midlands. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Anthony Javi, and today's very special guest is Grant Pringle. Hello, everybody. Grant, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. A lot of water has passed under the bridge, uh, literally. Yes, it's been a, a very, very wet and difficult season, I think, across large parts of the country this year. Yeah, so I've done a fair amount of traveling and what we have seen is quite a lot of waterlogged conditions across many different crop species. And today's episode, we would like to touch on seedling disorders and the factors that affect seedling performance. Yeah, so I, I've also had opportunity to travel around and I agree. And it's it's not just limited to, to beans. It's been a, a, across a range of crops that, you know, emergence and stands have, have been set back by the conditions that we've experienced early in the season. But cold and wet, it's, it's really influenced how crops have come, come away early in the year. Yeah. And so what I have done is, is seen particular fields and passing them every two or three weeks. And what we've seen is that initially they looked really terrible. And, and as the seasons progressed, things have improved, but we know that there's damage there, right? Yeah, I mean, stand is the foundation of your of your yield potential. So if you're ending up with a with a half stand or or a significantly variable stand in terms of emergence dates and and, and those kind of aspects, yes, that that's going to influence how that crop performs at the end of the day. Yeah, particularly you know if you have like you say slightly different maturities within the same field, just because of some plants being delayed by anaerobic conditions, then you you end up having quite a lot of in-field competition within your crop, and it's certainly not good for yield. Yeah, you end up with those small little little runty plants in, in between, and those will be the ones that took a few extra days to, to emerge, and they're always behind the curve in terms of the growth and fail to compete well against the, the older, earlier mergers on, on either side of themselves. Right. In today's episode, we will look basically at dry beans, but many of the issues will not be bordered by crop, you know. So a lot of the diseases are also common in soybeans and a lot of the physical disorders are problems which would be common to other crops as well. So what we will do is look at some of the reasons for poor germination, poor emergence. We'll look at abiotic stresses which affect the crop emergence like moisture, black compaction and temperature, chemicals and then we'll finish off with a brief look at, at some of the soil-borne diseases which affect emergence. We will move on to this directly after the break. This episode is sponsored by Panar Seed. Now, Panar is famous all over Africa for its amazing cultivar ranges in all the crops it sells. But Panar is also famous for its marketing extravaganzas. These are physical demonstrations of the cultivars that they sell. And if you've never experienced a Panar extravaganza, you really need to find a way of getting an invite to one of them. They are phenomenal. Right, so back to seedling disorders. Grant, so shall we have a look at the physical quality of the seed? Right, so when people buy a seed, it comes out with a germination. Yes, so obviously on the bag itself, on the etiquette um, stitched in, into the seams of the bag will be a little label showing the cultivar that's in the bag 
and the germination results that, that was obtained from that particular seed batch. Right. And so these germination results, how do they relate to field conditions? So obviously, when we as seed companies do this germination, we do it under optimal conditions of optimal temperature and, and moisture and then get an ideal or a best case scenario for the germination of that particular seed batch. The label is, is a guide and is a best case scenario. And obviously, we strive as, as seed companies to produce the best quality seed that we can and, and give you as, as the producer uh, the best chance at success at, at the beginning of the season but the, the nature of the beast is, is quite tricky in that when you take that seed and you you plant it in your fields the result is extremely unlikely to calibrate straight back to that germination percentage so it, it would be very close under good conditions yes. and could deviate quite a lot under under, under poorer, poorer conditions. conditions yeah exactly and so the poorer conditions would be you know depending on your planting depth your temperature moisture compaction diseases these can all affect your emergence and certainly then it will affect to what extent the, the germination on the on the bag is reflected in the field no for sure grant just in terms of this current season to what extent have we had germination problems and emergence problems really so and it's as we described in our in the earlier discussion it's been reasonably widespread and you know it, it's quite difficult to to quantify in terms of hectares because within fields you have some level of variation but these emergence issues, as you say, come around usually due to extremes. So too wet, too dry, too cold, too compact. It's the extremes of conditions that largely drive how those crops emerge and germinate at the beginning of the season. Right. And I think this season was a season of extremes. You know, we had widespread areas of intense rain for several days in a row and cool temperatures and then you know it was a really challenging start to the season and <laughs> just to get planted right yes so yeah, get, get, just getting the crop into the ground was was a really challenging episode and and because of that sometimes you're you're forced to maybe get get into the fields when things are, are not ideal right you know so you in the seed business to what extent have many of these issues been passed on to you as as a seed complaint no we've we've certainly seen a little bit of an increase this season i would say in terms of particularly the dicotyledonous crops like soybeans and dry beans and to some extent on the maize but the way maize germinates is a little bit different to the dicotyledonous crops and you know the extremes i think affect the dicots more because of the way they they emerge and come out of the soil. Yes, and if you think about it in this way, then it would be affecting dry beans more than soybeans, really, just because of seed size as well, because that makes a big difference. Yeah, if you think of the size of the cotyledons in a dry bean, they're probably three or four times the size of that of a standard soybean seed. So it's got to pull all that biomass out of the soil against the friction of the soil, if you've got a little bit more compaction or cloyiness in this in the soil, um, maybe through sub suboptimal planting conditions, suddenly now the the emergence of those dry beans looks a little bit scrabbly, and maybe you you end up with that scenario where you don't have a nice uniform emergence. Things take a bit longer to come through, and you end up with those different aged plants in the field. So you do need moisture. Or germination and you only have to have a, a dry season to know how important it is 
But what you don't want are anaerobic conditions um, at germination and emergence. And so if you have water pooling in your bean field, it really isn't any good for the crop. And temperature, right? So very often with long periods of rainy weather, we have cooler conditions and overcast conditions. So the cooler conditions means that the beans will emerge slower. And the slower it takes to get out of the soil, the more it is exposed to soil pathogens. Yeah, so obviously temperature drives the biological processes within that seed. And if it's cold while it's trying to germinate, instead of taking five or six days to come out of the soil, it might take 10 days to to emerge. That seedling is exposed to all the stresses of that germination process for a extended period and yeah it's only um, realistic i think to expect that there is going to be some challenges for that crop going forward yeah but we'll get to discussing the different soil pathogens but certainly wet conditions ticks the boxes in just about all of them yeah the pathogens obviously will proliferate under wet conditions and when you've got those cool conditions combined with wet then you you almost get a perfect storm scenario where that seedling is now coming through very slowly because of the cool conditions. The moisture is there and the soil is very wet and your pathogens are having a longer opportunity to attack and get, get into that seedling as it emerges slower than normal out of the soil. Yeah. So Grant, just the other physical conditions which may affect emergence include compaction. Yeah, so obviously compaction inhibits root growth and it it also reduces the ability for a soil to drain under very wet conditions yeah and then also the surface compaction it's less of an issue in your uh, high clay soils and, and soils with lots of organic matter but out in the west where you have very sandy soils and if you have a rainstorm after planting sometime you get that layer of compaction on the top that surface crusting where yeah. you, you get that hard layer right yeah. at, at the surface correct yeah. and that can bake really hard yeah so that is for the diacotyledonous crops that crusting at the surface can have a huge impact on your final stand across all the diacotyledonous crops so sunflowers dry beans soybeans if you get that surface crusting, you need to address it as quickly as you can within the field, or you certainly will suffer significant stand losses. Right. And then if we had to move on to like the chemical challenges that might happen during your, your seedling stage, you know, we've seen that, that a lot of emergence problems have been blamed on seed quality, and it turns out that it is either residual herbicides which have been released in the wetter conditions causing some plant stress during the emergence stage and not only residual herbicides but then also herbicides which are sprayed on in the season. Yeah so I think that compound effect of particularly low temperatures combined with that that high moisture your herbicide residual action becomes magnified you know when you've got nice warm moist conditions, you probably don't see the impact of, of potential herbicide residue or even even the registered herbicides that you have applied over your dry bean crop. Under suboptimal conditions, the impact that they have on the emergence and vigor of those early seedlings, I think is, is magnified by the cool, wet conditions. Um, so yes, in a normal year, you, you don't see any problems. And suddenly now in a wet season, 
wet, cool conditions, suddenly you, you're looking at, at a field of emerging beans that are up and down and have cupped leaves and, and strange symptoms of, strange of symptoms. stress. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not normal because for the last three or four seasons, you've been doing the same practice and, and seen nothing. Now, suddenly, obviously, the, the realization is there that there's a problem. And because it's so early in the season, it's, it's often related back to, to seed quality problems. Yeah. And while we're on chemicals, fertilizer placement, have you seen issues related to fertilizer placement this, this past season? Not so much this season. And I think generally we, we don't see huge amounts of problems with dry beans or soybeans. I think the amounts of fertilizer that, that are banned placed with these crops is often not at high levels so the risk of that salt index burn and that kind of thing unless you're planting the seed directly into the fertilizer band you know you're not that's really a, that that's risk. a little bit of a rookie error right yes <laughs> if you're making that one we, yeah. we, we will hopefully put you right now and 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 you need to get that below and to, to the side of the seed and in all crops obviously you don't want to be planting a, a seed into the fertilizer band, the band, band yeah. place fertilizer yeah yeah Right, and then back to our old hobby horse of rotation. And it's such a crucial part of agriculture today that we just have to mention it. You know, you can't talk about agriculture and not talk about rotation. And a lot of problems that I've seen in this past season are related to perhaps rotation programs which, which are not optimized. And so where you see farmers rotating potatoes, cabbage with beans, that really isn't a rotation. So yes, you're planting different crops, but they're all from the same plant group in terms of being dicotyledonous and probably to a large degree experience a similar spectrum of Poor pathogens, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's yeah. When we speak rotations, we like to see you going to different groups. You know, you, you want yeah. To so rotating a grass crop and a broadleaf crop is a very good starting point for yeah. <laughs> for the foundation of your rotation. And yeah, so I, I think. If you're in a poor rotation and sometimes the dynamics of your environment or your system mean that, that you do need to do that. But I think one needs to try where possible to break those scenarios where, where you're having the same kind of crop. Yeah, and break the disease cycle. And break, and, break those cycles, and like so. you say, farming very often is, is not a, a precise thing. And you may need to do something in a rotation which is not always ideal but if you look at your plant pathogens in the soil really it's a community and the more often you rotate incorrectly the more these pathogenic fungi will and, and not only fungi but these pathogens will will accumulate in the soil and eventually you will have a problem yeah, you start skewing your population profiles within your different microorganisms in in that soil and yeah sooner or later you, you're going to paint yourself into a corner where you have the cool, wet conditions where the disease is going to have the advantage of your seedling. And then you're suddenly going to end up with a bigger problem than you might have had you been in a successful rotation program. Yeah. So if we just look at what are the soil pathogens that could be problematic for being farmers. So the first one that comes to mind is Pythium, Pythium ultimatum. And so Pythium really is a cool, wet season disease. And so in your cooler, wet conditions this is where pythium will become a problem and actually it's, it's temperatures below 20 degrees and really if your rotation hasn't been good the pythium fraction in your soil will build up to the extent that you will eventually get a problem when when you have cool wet conditions 
the the next one is rhizoctonia. And so rhizoctonia is quite easy to recognize. It causes the, these large cankers on the hypocotyl. And also it's almost exclusively a, a seedling disorder. It will only affect your plants in the first 28, 30 days, after which the plants really get adult plant resistance. But what happens with rhizoctonia is that very often it's the entry point for other diseases to come in creates the the opportunity for pathogens to get in there and and get a a foothold, um, which they probably wouldn't have been able to do had there not been that entry point. Yeah, and so actually the the organism that takes advantage of this is Fusarium, and Fusarium is really, really widely spread across all agricultural soils in South Africa, and Fusarium is the sort of pathogen that would take advantage of any plant stress. So if your seedling is stressed from compaction or if your seedling is stressed from chemicals, it'll come in. So what Fusarium does is very often, once the Rhizoctonia has made the initial canker, the Fusarium comes in and overwhelms the plant. So the plant actually dies from Fusarium rather than Rhizoctonia. But it's because it already had the the Rhizoctonia injury. And Fusarium really is ubiquitous. So we find it everywhere. It can affect plants throughout their life. Yeah, so it's not something that just comes in as a seedling. You, you pick it up right through the life cycle of the plant. If you have the drought stress or waterlogging stress, even on beans that are in flower, you can yeah. pick up those wilting, dying plants and you yeah. cut, cut them open at the bottom of the stalk and you find that discoloration and, um, in the, and, pith. In the yeah. pith and yeah. you, you, your fusarium has climbed in at that late stage. So yeah. it's, it's a season-long problem that you... You could experience at any stage. And so you you would have this population of fusarium in your soil, but you would very rarely have any symptoms unless you have a some sort of stress. And like you yeah. say, it could be anaerobic conditions from water logging, it could be drought stress, it could be chemical, physical, or other pathogens. And most often these pathogens all occur in a complex. And so it's quite rare to find in an agricultural soil that you only have a single pathogen causing root rots or a hypocotyl rot. So it's usually your lithium fusarium, often in, in a complex with each other, using that suboptimal germination window for your seedlings. If you're having that stress at the beginning of the season, that complex of pathogens all climb in together and, and really give your seedling a, a tough run. A workover. Getting mm. out of the soil, yeah. Grant, I think we've probably touched on all the, the seedling disorders that we could expect from, from dry beans. There are other pathogens which do occur, which are perhaps less frequent in South Africa. And we're sort of thinking of Macrophemina, your charcoal rot, which is more of a problem in your dry seasons. And then you also have the Sclerotium rolfsi, which is different to Sclerotinia, right? But could be combined with the pathogens that we've discussed today, but really it is less prominent in uh, South African agricultural conditions. Right, so I think we can wrap up the show. It's been wonderful chatting to you again. And until next time, it's been a gas. Take care. (laughs) 